Gospel Lifeline podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with Matt Statler. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this series through uh, marriage and we're kind of on our last leg here. We really wanted to talk about um, kind of how to long term heal after a grievous sin has occurred. Right. So um, the last time we talked, we talked about like what to do in the middle of the sin, you know, like the, the immediate action, right? Like how do we handle this scenario like right now? But, you know, kind of one of the things we talked about a few episodes ago was, um, you know, when a nuclear reactor melts down, right? Like what happens when a nuke goes off, what is the process for cleanup, you know? And I've been looking at uh, a few things and, you know, there was a nuclear reactor that exploded in Japan, I think in 1979 or something, but uh, not too long ago, a few years ago, uh, Japan put forward this like draft of saying how long they think the cleanup will take, you know, and it was like 30 to 40 years. And I was just thinking about, man, how, how, how difficult it is for us to wrap our minds around, like, that in order to prepare the land to be back, you know, in a semblance of what it once was to be fruitful again, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort um, to, to earn back the trust of whatever that, you know, situation uh, was. So like in the case of this Japanese Island or whatever, you know, the first thing they had to do was remove the fuel cells from the new from the where the nuclear material was because it, they needed to re- reduce the heat that was radiating off of it. You know, and I think that's a good picture. You know, for the immediate action of grievous sins occurred, right? We want to pull whatever's causing the most heat. We need to cut those things off, right? Jesus would call that, I believe, radical amputation, right? Um, If your, you know, right hand causes you to sin. Matt, what does Jesus say? Cut it off. Cut it off, right? Get rid of it, right? So we kind of handled up on that last episode. But so, okay, now, now we've cut the cut the gangrene off. Right. But like, how do we, how do we heal the land? Like, how do we clean up? That's kind of what we want to discuss today. Matt, where do you think, would you say, um, the first and primary step in that cleanup process after, you know, the, immediate situation has been tended to, right? So like if there was an affair, all ties were cut with that person, um, numbers were blocked, right? Commitments have been made to maybe see mediation and counseling, maybe, you know, go through a discipleship path with your church, you know, so on and so forth, right? The immediate things have happened, but would you say the next step after those core things would be to kind of walk through some process of forgiveness, I think uh, we need to consider this in two um, two areas: the husband mm-hmm. and then the wife, or the or the the offender and the offended against. Um, yeah. The offender has to go through a process of really cutting out the sin that led to this adultery, uh, whether Correct. it be uh, pornographic use or or just their, their thoughts, right. Taking control of their thoughts yeah. and actually becoming dis- disciplined in the removal of that. And honestly doing some godly grieving, 
um, recognizing who the sin is against. It's against God ultimately, right. and then also against your spouse. And so the the person who perpetrated the act, the offender, the the guilty one, needs to deal with that. Um, the offended needs to uh, work through their forgiveness. And I think yeah. that's kind of what we wanted to to talk through is the offender definitely has a lot of work to do. They need to get their nose to the grindstone um, and deal with what they've done uh, in a God-honoring way through confession, repentance, right. accountability, um, amputation, right? Cutting yeah. off, like if they're, if, if it was a, a workplace scenario, maybe finding a new job. Um, right. I mean, we we got to get radical with it. Getting a flip phone. I mean, I, I don't know, but just getting it taken care of because this is serious. This is, this is nuclear waste, right? There's no inhabitants allowed to be in this area anymore if we don't clean up. Um, And of course, God's grace is sufficient and he will help us through this. We know this, but for the spouse, the one that has been offended, the one that's been um, sinned against, there's several things that that person needs to go through. So let's say the confession has happened. Um, maybe there was mediation involved, and in the moment, the and let's just say it's a husband who committed adultery, and the wife um, is the innocent party um, in this. And we understand that's not always the case, right? That's like not always the so case. We're we're gonna kind of blanket this with a a picture, okay? So, yeah. in in this picture, a husband has committed adultery against a wife, and we're gonna really focus on. Uh, the wife's response and how the wife can go and heal. Okay. And this is a case study, quote unquote, right? Um, Right. So the wife has, was in the, in the meeting and the husband confessed and maybe she was pressured into saying, I forgive you. Now, maybe that forgiveness is not fully realized. It's like it already yeah. not yet, right? Uh, she's <laughs> she said, you know, she said, "I forgive you." Spatio temporal. But what happens over time, right? There's going to be spikes in radiation. There's going to be times when she feels really numb or cold or hot, and it's just going to go back and forth. There's going to be depression. There's going to be bitterness. All these things um, could happen, and so for us what do we do with that? Right. These emotions. So she may have said, I forgive you in the moment, but now let's say a week down the road, she doesn't feel very forgiving. And the husband, the one who committed the adultery in this scenario, uh, says, well, why aren't you forgiving me? Or I don't feel very forgiven right now. I feel like I'm always under scrutiny. Yada, yada. And now all these emotions pop back up and it's a hot mess again. Um, there's yeah. been a, a reinfecting of the, the scenario. So, Neil, what do you usually um, do with people who have these kind of scenarios? Yeah, um, I think painting a clear picture of their reality is really important. A um, couple of things, and I love that you said this. Um, the reality is, it's going to be a emotional roller coaster, right? The per- you. If you have committed the sin, you have um, infected all trust, you have lied, you have been deceptive, you have done all these things. And so for the person who, who the, the offendee, right, or the offended, 
um, that person is now dealing with this morally compromised person they love. And it's really hard to make sense of that. Like, this was who I thought you were. These were the things you did. That's in contradiction. And how the heck am I supposed to deal with this? You know, so, um, you know, one of the biggest areas that has, has to be said is that we should be very committed to showing one another grace. Where Christ has shown grace and mercy, uh, especially for the person who sinned against his, his spouse or her spouse, you know, for this person, they need to understand the forgiveness they have in Christ first and let them be quick to show the same kind of grace that Christ showed them at their worst yeah. to their, their, in this case, their bride who is dealing um, internally, you know, with, with a, a, a lot of crisis, you know, it's a crisis in your marriage. It's a crisis for, for many. It's a crisis of faith. It's a, you know, you become unhinged, right? So I think the, the big thing to point out is what is the reality? Like when I talk with uh, wives who um, have been uh, cheated on, you know, um, one of the things I tried to do is two things. I want to talk to them about, hey, here, here's what you're going to go through. Like this is a real thing. You're going to be struggling. This is going to be extremely difficult for you. Um, and, and it's important that they get, you know, that, that there's a lot of, um, practical decisions they have to make towards healing. Like, okay, you're going to be, you might be so in despair, so downcast that you really struggle to take care of your children at times. Like, so we're going to, here's what we're going to do as a church body. We're going to come around you. We're going to support you. We're going to take, you know, we're going to try and take some things off your plate so that you can really deal with and be dealt with by the Lord. Right. Yeah. And then we do that. We do that with a a physical injury, right? Totally. You take them to the hospital, you let them get some care, some rest, some recovery time. Um, I think we should do the same thing in a scenario like this. Oh yeah. Most deaf. And then the other thing I share with them right out the gate is Galatians six, nine. I think it's so pivotal uh, for capturing a picture of the long game perspective we have to have in a healing process. Okay. So uh, Galatians 6 9 says, and let us do, let us not grow weary in doing good for a due season. We will reap if we do not give up. And I love the conditional statement that Paul puts together here. Uh, if we do not give up. Okay. So for the, for the person who's been sinned against the offended, um, they need to, they need to have this long game perspective of, um, man, the Lord is doing su- something supernatural here for my good, even though this is really difficult to deal with. And I feel in shambles, you know, uh, over this whole thing, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to actively make those choices today and I'm going to start walking in that. And that does not mean Ding, 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 right? This does not mean that your relationship with the person who sinned against you is, you know, suddenly reconciled in some sort of picture perfect um, scenario, right? Yeah. Uh, What it does mean is that you're actively trusting in the Lord and uh, committing to 
his ways for your life. I like what um, you said there, Neil, about actively trusting. So right. there's been some definitions that have been thrown out in the past about forgiveness is an act of the will. This is Ken Sandy's definition. A decision not to think or talk about what someone has done. It's an active process involving a conscious choice and a deliberate course of action. And I think that active behavior, like you have to be proactive. You have to choose not to unforgive this person, right? It's, right. Uh, it, it's kind of like a commitment um, that you've made before your spouse and God to not allow this. And I think for the spouse that's been harmed, looking at Christ's betrayal on the cross is such a powerful image of betrayal that that would lead you to see how Christ suffered. And you also are experiencing a lot of the same suffering in the nature of betrayal. Um, the, the Passion of the Christ, I don't always recommend this movie, um, but in The Passion of the Christ, they have a really graphic depiction of Jesus being whipped and Peter basically saying, oh, I don't know that man. I don't know that man. I don't know him. Right. And then we see that Jesus like looks him in the eyes and they look at each other and he realizes what he has done. And in, in many cases, a spouse will feel that level of betrayal um, from their other spouse. And, and so this active choosing to forgive is, is hard. Right. But we see what Jesus did. He restored Peter. Uh, over this, over the um, over time, and and allowed him basically to run the church uh, down the road, and so this. But I, I really like what you brought up, Neil, about this active decision, and and you may have to remind yourself, you may have to make a sticky note that whenever you feel like you just want to stab this dude or this you know person in their sleep, you have to look <laughs> at that 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 sticky note and remind yourself that I am choosing this day and it's gonna you may have to who choose every serve. hour yeah who yeah. i will serve do i serve the lord yeah. or do i serve my own um desire Gosh. for vengeance because i'm hurt um and then dealing with that pain and that bitterness that uh, so often comes up in jones's book he brings up um some commitment. robert jones yeah robert jones dr robert jones um professor at southern he wrote a book called pursuing peace and he writes in here, commitments to the repentant offender. And so basically you're making these commitments, this, this active decision that you will not raise the forgiven offense, number one, to myself, which means I'm not going to dwell or brood on it. Second, I'm not going to raise it to others. It's not going to become a gossip uh, situation where you're, um, well, you're talking about your husband to all your friends, and it's not, number three, to use it against you later. And this is going to be hard because it feels like your weapons of warfare are being taken away. I, I've heard the saying, uh, we bury the hatchet, but we leave the handle sticking up, right? So you know yep. where to find it to dig it back out again. And that's mm -hmm. what forgiveness is, is making those three commitments to the repentant um, offender, if they're repentant, and that's and that's a key right. here, and that doesn't mean yeah. that you're not wise or careful, right? We're not gonna take off all the blocking on the the phones and and just allow free reign or or just say, oh yeah, that's fine. He's gonna go hang out with that same person 
again um, or go back to those same situations. It doesn't mean that that's free reign, but what it is is that you are not going to turn this into a weapon um, to try to right. stab them with later. And that's, and that's key. Um, and we don't want to turn this into a therapeutic thing necessarily, but we do know that bitterness is poisonous to your heart um, because it does show a lack of forgiveness. And that's hard. Um, we're not saying this is easy. Yeah, I, I like to tell people it's a Rolodex of poisonous recipes. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's so, really good. <laughs> for for those of you who remember what a Rolodex is. And it's funny because used... we inherit those recipes from grandma and our mom, oh, yeah. right? That's what uh, my I mom know. did to my dad. He always she always brought this over. That's what grandma always used to do to grandpa. Uh, or, and and so we have that uh history, family history of yeah. of poison. Yeah, th- this is how they handled it, you know. Well, then that must be right. Like, well, not necessarily, right? Uh so we have this um this beautifully binded uh 66 books of the Bible that tell us um how to handle these situations in a God glorifying manner, right? So if the gospel really is our lifeline, um, it's what keeps us from flatlining, right? Yeah. Um, then this is the place we must rest, right? And so for the person who's been sinned against, I love that you said this, man, the the motivation that should drive us towards healing is resting in the forgiveness we've received by our Savior. And uh, man, it doesn't mean that we're going to um, do like the Lord says, he forgets right. <laughs> our transgressions. Like that for us, uh, we're fi- we're finite, like it's impossible, right? There's we're not going to forget it, and forgiveness isn't just simply moving on and not dealing with it or saying, "Well, bygones be bygones," right? Like um, all of all of those things that we try to do, they don't work, and yeah, they never ultimately work. So we need to rest in a kind of a biblical understanding of forgiveness first, and then remember the motivation that we're to have. Like Matt was. Uh, pointing out um, through the healing process of, um, you know, not growing weary and doing good, where the Lord is taking this, where he will ultimately take this. And, and lastly, in the case of marriage, you're remembering that the most beautiful picture of marriage, the perfect picture of marriage is Christ's relationship with the church. And in our efforts, we glorify his, uh, this picture, this, we glorify our savior. So a good um, kind of couple of maybe a book to think through um, trying to understand the heart of the Lord for those who are sinning against him often, you know, I I find in uh, Hosea to be a great, a great picture of that and um, to work through and think through what are some other texts, Matt, you can think of and, and what else do you have to add? Yeah, I, w- I wanted to add, of course, that there is hope, right? We yeah. know that, that Christ will redeem this marriage um, and can fully restore it to an even healthier place than it was. Um, and so we want to keep that in mind. I do want to give some warnings, though, because yeah. I think for the offender, it is very easy for pride to slip back in. Um, and really start making you feel like, well, I deserve 
to be forgiven here or yeah. look at all the progress I've made in this last week. Right. And for so, you, yeah. So you're, so you're saying Matt, that for some reason, it's difficult for our minds to make sense that we can not merit forgiveness, not merit grace. Like That's right. it, it happens without any contribution uh, <laughs> that we may add to the equation. Is that yes. what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm saying our, our, our hearts are deceitful and wicked, mm. and they decide to um, go their ways. Uh, mm. We have to keep reining it back in. And so for the offender, the the thing pride will come in and be like, well, you were, you know, you said you forgave me, and obviously you're not, and look how good I'm doing, and da 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 da. And the next thing you know, it's like, I don't deserve this anymore. Right. Or I'm tired of having to deal with my wife being upset about what I did. And then really, you turn your spouse back into an enemy, uh, even yep. though you are the initial offender in the scenario. And maybe you are treated poorly. Maybe she does sin against you um, verbally or in a, some other way, even though you've done the initial sin. Um we have to recognize that that's not acceptable. We have to lay our, our rights aside. And uh, I know that's difficult. And then again, for the offended, uh, pride can slip in too. And, be, and you can consider yourself uh, above reproach in so many ways. And in many ways, that's not always the case. And not that you deserve what happened to you, not that you caused that thing or you did something to deserve to be uh, treated in such a manner or have that sin committed against you. But there are ways that we can respond that makes things worse in our own nature, in our sinful nature. And I just want to be clear that we have to be on the alert uh, for that. As for um, books that really can bring encouragement, the Psalms. Um, yes. David, over and over again, cries out his pain. I mean, this is something I use a lot with guy, uh, ladies or guys that have been sexually abused is the Psalms where they cry out their pain to God. And David over and over again talks about betrayal. I mean, really it's the anatomy of the heart that is on display there in the Psalms. And, and you can write yeah, your own cries. You can write yeah, your learning own. to lament, learning to lament. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. many good books out there about using the lament Psalms. And um, that I've done that. I've cataloged, lament psalms for my own use and for others and i'll just hand it out and say read through these do any of these sound like what you are experiencing and nine times out of ten they're like yes every single one and then you read through it you pray it back to god using the words that were divinely inspired and you deal with these emotions in a god honoring way you bring them to god Which and then you turn into trust which helps us process actually what has actually occurred, right? So one, one of the difficult things for the person who's been sinned against is to be able to untangle their emotions um, because of the grievous nature of what's occurred, right? So when we take the time to lament to the Lord, to use his words, right, we're, we're entering into this story, right, uh, with maybe what our details are. And we're giving them to God, right? And in that process, we are, you know, thinking through and processing that hurt and that the traumatic experience that that is, you know, 
and we're we're offering them up to the Lord, but we're also receiving the truth of God's word in the same token, which tells us because every lament I've ever read, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Matt, um, that it ends in hope, right? Except for, except for one, yeah. Except for one, okay. So, but it ends in hope. Yeah. Uh, this ultimate ultimate picture of the character of God and what He will do based on His own character. So it helps us to pause our emotions, think deeply about who the Lord is, and and to rest in His character. Yeah, I, I tell people it's like a J, right, where you're going down, down deeper into the the emotional valley. experience, your pain, the valley. And then you start to come back up and express your trust in who God is. Mm -hmm. And it's really fascinating. If you ever do studies on speech and being and the use of words, that you, you find that people who can express themselves typically can deal with some of the hardest things in their life better. Um, and that's yeah. why we see the hymn writers have all been real heavy sufferers. We see poets and uh, songwriters who express their pain and suffering in words, giving words to their experience. And that's what we see in the Psalms. And these are this is God's divinely inspired book. And in many ways, you are verbally confessing your trust in God as you walk through a psalm. Um, and so don't neglect the psalms. Um, yeah. The book of Revelation is also a very powerful book for those who are suffering. And I know we've kind of had it been diluted by all the end times prophecy type stuff, which is um, understandable. People want to know what's going to happen. Left behind. Left behind. And it could give <laughs> us a bad taste in our mouth if that's all we're focusing on. But the book of Revelation is a huge encouragement to people who are suffering because it talks mm -hmm. about the temporary nature of this, wor uh, this world. Uh, what we are experiencing yeah. and, and and who God is, right? This goes back to the character of God. Uh, over and over again, we need to dwell on who is God and why does it matter? And and this is really going to set us up, honestly, Neil, for our um, next couple sessions or next couple uh, podcasts. podcasts. And so I would, I would like to really encourage you guys, if you are finding any of this helpful, Get the word out for us. Um, we're not in this to make money. We're not trying to get fame and fortune. Uh, we're just two guys who have experienced a lot of suffering and want to share this stuff with you and how you can share this with others. In fact, you can take these things and use them in your own relationships and with people that you know. But would you share it um, some way, some some shape or form, whether it be on Facebook or social media um, or even just texting it to a friend that you know is struggling in, in one of these ways. Um, we have several podcasts on different topics, and I think we're going to come back to marriage in a in, at some point, Neil, because this is such a deep oh, yeah. topic, right? We're, we're not done uh, with this. And so please get the word out for us. Um, we'd really appreciate you guys if you would do that. We'd be a real personal favor. Yeah, so I'm a, I want to do some hard hitting real quick with uh, practical uh practical measures to take okay number one for the person the offend the offended okay number one deal with the suffering and community 
do not deal it, deal with it in isolation. Whatever yep. shame you feel that your spouse has put upon you, it is not your shame to carry. You carry it to the cross. You need to be reminded of that by Christian community. So deal with it in community. Second, seek biblical counsel. Now, you can go to a counselor out in the world, even many Christian counselors, and they will tell you um, to divorce your spouse. Leave your spouse, okay? That will be the easiest way to con continue and grow and to self-care. That is not the biblical response um, that we should be taking. Our biblical response should always be we make it our aim to please the Lord. What is God's heart for divorce? Well, Malachi tells us that he hates divorce, okay? Yeah. Jesus tells us in Matthew 19 that... Um, the reason there's a certificate of divorce is because we harden our hearts against our spouse. And we should be praying against that in the midst of the trial that our hearts would not be totally hardened towards our spouse, towards a, a person who has sinned against us. So uh, seek some counsel, someone who can help nav navigate those things with you and point you back to truth, religiously point you back to truth. Because without truth, you will be unable to untangle the emotional uh, spider web that you're living in. Um, third, third thing, um, rest, 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 rest. When we go through um, moments of anxiety and unsurety and, you know, it's in this, it, this situation, it's like the one flesh being cut into two, right? So yeah. like that's, that is turmoil in our spirit. And, uh, and we have to tend to the outer man. So uh, ensure that you're getting rest. If you're not getting rest, because maybe you're separated right now, and you have all the kids and your husband's just off getting treatment. Um, set yourself up with the community that you're dealing this dealing going through this with. Uh, to help care for those immediate responsibilities so that you can rest and tend to yourself uh, on a physical level. Because if the physical side is breaking down while the inner side is breaking down, then you will only exacerbate your situation. And uh, lastly, and most importantly, um, and we kind of pinged on it, but I just want to maybe say it in a summary. Um, lament to the Lord, read his word, meditate on it, live in it, rest in it, wash with it <laughs> and pray. Um, so your God inclines his ear to hear you when you pray. David says, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live because this is what he does. And so when we pray, um, know that your creator God is turning his head to listen to you and to deal with your heart. And he deals with our hearts in his word. And, and we process and bring our petitions to him and he will take them. He will care for you um, better than anybody else. So I want you to l press into the spiritual disciplines. Um, and I think those are some good um, kind of quick hitting things. And 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 just remember the long game, right? This is going to take time. Um, this will not be resolved 
tomorrow. This is not McDonald's, right? There's no, <laughs> there's no have it your way, get it immediately from the drive-thru here. This takes years. Um, and this is coming from a man who had to walk through, you know, a nuclear wasteland for two years after setting off a bomb. So, um, we know this deeply. So, um, echo man, if this is any help to you guys, Hey, even if you have clarifying questions, man, throw it our way. We'll want to walk through this with you. Uh, we love you guys. We thank you for listening. And most of all, man, we just love God's word. And we think God is truly how he truly has an answer for how we're to deal with the most difficult things in life. And so uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Next week, we're going to talk about biblical meditation. Mm, my favorite. Um, meat and potatoes. All right, buddies. Buddies. We'll see you later. <laughs> Bye.